Chapter 1. Introduction of the Living Word A. John the Man Who is this man, John, who has given us what has often been called the most important gospel? At no place in the Gospel of John does the writer identify himself. Instead, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, chapter 13, verse 23, chapter 21, verse 20, and with other similar phrases, chapter 19, verse 26, chapter 20, verse 2, chapter 21, verses 23 to 24. However, most Bible scholars agree the author is the Apostle John, known as the Beloved Disciple. He was a disciple, along with Peter and James, who sometimes was chosen to share special experiences with Jesus. See, for example, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, Mark chapter 5, verse 37, and chapter 14, verse 33. John had a brother named James, and their father was Zebedee. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. Their mother was among the women who were with Jesus at the cross. Matthew chapter 27, verse 56. She had ambition for her two sons and asked Jesus to give them special honour. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 23. Some Bible scholars have identified her as the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. This opinion is based on the lists found in the Gospels of the women at the cross, chapter 19, verse 25, Matthew chapter 27, verse 56. This would make Jesus and John cousins. However, this is not known for certain. Zebedee hired men to help him with the fishing. Mark chapter 1, verse 20. This suggests John's family was one of wealth. This is also indicated by the fact that John seems to have had his own house. Chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. John possessed a fiery zeal, Luke chapter 9, verse 54, and Jesus called him and his brother James sons of thunder, Mark chapter 3, verse 17. After Pentecost, John's passion became the basis for his intense, great love. John was present, although not prominent, in the councils of the early church, Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, Acts chapter 15, verse 6 to 21. John's brother James was the first of the disciples to be put to death. Acts chapter 12, verse 2. John, however, survived. History tells us he became the pastor and later the bishop at Ephesus in Greece. The Roman emperor Domitian showed great hatred for the Christians. He exiled John to Patmos about A.D. 95, where John received the Revelation. See Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 and 9. The following year, Nerva became emperor, and he permitted John to return to Ephesus. Tradition, not history, tells of John being put in a pot of boiling oil from which he escaped alive. Many Bible scholars believe John wrote the three epistles that have his name as well as the Revelation. John, the last survivor of Jesus' apostles, lived until the closing days of the first century. So this is John. 
He was changed by Jesus Christ from a son of thunder to an apostle of love. He was tender in his affections and fearless in his stand for the gospel. He was modest and humble every time he referred to himself. Truly, he was the beloved apostle. B. Luke the Book John wrote his gospel in about AD 90. The other three gospels were written much earlier, about AD 60. In the years in between, some serious situations had risen in the church. One of the most serious problems in the first century church was the heresy known as Gnosticism. A heresy is a false belief or practice. A heretic is one whose beliefs or practices are false. The word Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, meaning thought or knowledge. The teachers of this heresy were known as Gnostics. In brief, they taught Jesus was not eternal, but a created being. Gnostics denied the deity, eternity, and humanity of Jesus. They believed he was one of a long line of logoi, living words, coming from the throne of God. The word logos is Greek for word. Logai is plural for logos. John used this word to describe Jesus in his gospel's opening verse, chapter 1, verse 1. Because of the wide influence of the Gnostic heresy, John wrote to Christians everywhere, not to one special group. To counter this heresy, John presented Jesus as eternal, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and God's one and only Son, chapter 3, verse 16. John also insisted Jesus came in the flesh, chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus was the Word, chapter 1, verse 1, the only Logos, even God himself. Jesus was not an outward expression of God, but very God of very God. The Word is so strongly emphasized in John's Gospel that the study outline centers around the theme, the living Word. Chapter 2. The Living Word Made Flesh. John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, 9 to 14. A. Jesus, the Word. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 and 14. In the opening verses of chapter 1, John presents Jesus as the Son of God. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. 1. The phrase, in the beginning, Chapter 1, verse 1, tells us Christ was not a created being as we are. Christ was not created as is everything else in the universe. In the beginning is the same phrase used elsewhere in the Bible, for example, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to refer to the eternity of God. In the beginning is repeated in verse 2 in this passage for emphasis. 2. In the phrase, the Word was with God, chapter 1, verse 1, the Word means Jesus Christ. This phrase points out Jesus Christ is distinct from God. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. 3. The phrase, the Word was God, chapter 1, verse 1, is a clear, unmistakable statement Christ is divine. This means Jesus Christ is God. 4. The words, 
through him all things were made, state that Christ is creator. Chapter 1, verse 3. This statement is repeated. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In the same verse. Chapter 1, verse 3. This emphasizes the fact Jesus is indeed the creator. He is not a created being, as the Gnostics claimed. 5. Jesus' life is the source of light for all people everywhere. Chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus freely gives this light to all people who seek him. Jesus' light illuminates spiritual truth. No darkness can put out this light. Chapter 1, verse 5. 6. The Word became flesh. Chapter 1, verse 14. This means God became human and shared human sufferings to bring redemption to everyone. John emphasizes in these words the true humanity of Christ. He is not only fully God, but he is also fully human. B. The light comes into the world. Chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. 1. As the light of the world, Christ is available to everyone. Chapter 1, verse 9. He is overlooked by most of the people in the world. Chapter 1, verse 10. And he was rejected by his own people. Chapter 1, verse 11. 2. As the light of the human heart, chapter 1, verse 12, Christ gives to all believers the right to become children of God. This is the miracle of being born again, chapter 1, verse 13. 3. As the light for our daily walk with God, chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus gives freely his grace to us. He makes us his companions in our walk as Christians. In him is found grace and truth. Truth is an important word in John's Gospel. John uses it 25 times and links it closely with Jesus. Chapter 3 Messengers of the Living Word John chapter 1 verses 6 to 8, 15 to 51 A. John the Baptist Chapter 1 verses 6 to 8 15 to 34. The first one to bring news of the coming of Jesus into the world was John the Baptist. He was a cousin of Jesus. Luke chapter 1 verses 34 to 36. John is introduced as a witness to the light, chapter 1 verses 6 to 8, and a messenger of the word, chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. 1. Who John the Baptist was not John the Baptist was very privileged to be the one to introduce the Saviour. Yet John insisted to the religious leaders he was not the Messiah. Chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. John was not Elijah. Chapter 1, verse 21. Nor was he the prophet. Chapter 1, verse 21. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15, who had been promised to Israel, first by Moses and later by others. It was a high compliment to be identified with any of these men, but John would not deceive the religious leaders. 2. 
who John the Baptist was. The Voice of One Calling in the Desert Chapter 1, verse 23, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2, is an excellent phrase to describe John the Baptist's ministry. The voice is the voice of John the Baptist giving words of judgment. The desert represents the moral confusion and chaos of the people who are lost. John insisted Jesus was eternal, chapter 1, verse 15 and 30, better than Moses, chapter 1, verse 17, and much superior to John himself, chapter 1, verse 27. 3. What John said. It is helpful to note the names John gave to Jesus. A. Lord, chapter 1, verse 23. In the Old Testament, Lord is a translation of the Hebrew word Adonai. All the names for God were sacred to the Jews. Because of this, they used a synonym for his name whenever possible to avoid having it become common. Adonai, or Lord, is one of these synonyms for God's name. B. Lamb of God Chapter 1, verse 29 and 36 In the Old Testament, animals used as sacrifices could not have any defects or faults of any kind. Jesus is God's Lamb with no defect, Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, and he was destined for sacrifice on the cross. The phrase takes away suggests taking out entirely. The phrase the sin of the world describes how bad and depraved our human natures are. Jesus came to be the sacrificial lamb for all people so our sins might be forgiven forever. C. Son of God, chapter 1, verse 34. God testified to the name Son of God at the time of Christ's baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, Mark chapter 1, verse 11, Luke chapter 3, verse 22. John's Gospel gives us John the Baptist's testimony to this heavenly voice. Chapter 1, verses 33 and 34. B. The First Disciples. Chapter 1, verse 35 to 51. The first call to discipleship was expressed in terms of a social invitation. Chapter 1, verses 38 and 39. This is similar to the final message Jesus left for all his followers. Chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. 1. John and Andrew. Chapter 1, verses 35 to 40. John, the Gospel writer, does not mention himself by name. Yet it is generally accepted John is one of the unnamed disciples in this verse. Chapter 1, verse 35. John and Andrew had been disciples of John the Baptist, chapter 1, verse 35. But attracted to Christ and urged on by John the Baptist, chapter 1, verse 36, John and Andrew became followers of Christ, chapter 1, verses 37 to 39. Andrew was not satisfied to keep his newfound joy to himself, but he wanted to share his Messiah. First, Andrew told his own brother Simon Peter, chapter 1, verses 41-42. Later, 
Andrew shares the Messiah with some Greek seekers in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Chapter 12, verses 20 to 22. 2. Simon Peter. Chapter 1, verses 41 and 42. Andrew, after introducing his brother to Jesus, fades into the background. Peter becomes greater in importance. He was one of the three disciples with whom Jesus spent most of his time. Simon was Peter's given name, but Peter is the name Jesus gave him. Chapter 1, verse 42. 3. Philip. Chapter 1, verses 43 to 45. Philip was similar to Andrew in personality. After Philip became acquainted with the Messiah, chapter 1, verse 43, he set off in search of Nathanael, chapter 1, verse 45. It was Philip also who teamed with Andrew in bringing some Greeks to Jesus, chapter 12, verses 20 to 22. 4. Nathanael, chapter 1, verses 45 to 51. Nathaniel's name means God's gift. He is generally identified as Bartholomew. He is mentioned as Bartholomew by Matthew, Mark and Luke. Matthew chapter 10 verse 3, Mark chapter 3 verse 18, Luke chapter 6 verse 14, Acts chapter 1 verse 13. John, throughout his gospel, uses the name Nathaniel, chapter 21 verse 2. In this scripture passage, chapter 1, verses 45 to 51, several characteristics are emphasized. A. Nathaniel wondered whether a bad environment could produce a good person, chapter 1, verse 46. However, he was open to changing his opinion, chapter 1, verses 47 to 49. B. Jesus said of Nathanael that he is a person in whom there is nothing false. Chapter 1, verse 47. Few people ever received warmer praise from Jesus. Here, Jesus showed his omniscience or complete knowledge. Chapter 1, verse 48. This settled the argument of the deity of Jesus as far as Nathanael was concerned. Chapter 1, verse 49. To this sincere man... Jesus promised spiritual light and vision. Chapter 1, verse 50 to 51. These are the first five disciples, the earliest messengers of the word. Chapter 4, the proclamation of the living word. John chapter 2, verse 1 to chapter 6, verse 59. A. The first miracle of Jesus. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. The changing of water into wine at Cana was the first of his miraculous signs. Chapter 2, verse 11. This miracle was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. A few things deserve special note. When Jesus addressed his mother as dear woman, chapter 2, verse 4, he was speaking a tender greeting. This greeting was given to persons of rank, position or status to honour them. Jesus' mother knew his character better than anyone else. She seemed to know Jesus was willing to help, even after he said, My time has not yet come. Chapter 2, verse 4. 
Jesus used similar expressions throughout his ministry. One possible way of understanding him is to see this expression as referring to his death on the cross. In essence, Jesus was telling his mother their concerns were not the same. She was concerned for the wedding party, while he was concerned for his ministry. Yet Jesus performed the miracle. Thereby, he brightened a festive event that might have ended early. Wedding celebrations usually lasted an entire week. B. The Cleansing of the Temple Chapter 2, verses 13 to 17 The people who came to the temple were required to change their Roman money into Jewish coins. This is why the practice began of having money changers near the temple. Also, the practice of selling animals began because of the need to have sacrificial offerings. The people who came from far away could not bring their own sacrifices. Both practices were moved within the temple area by Jesus' time, where they likely disturbed or interrupted worship. Moreover, the money changers and animal merchants were dishonest. They charged high, unfair prices for their services. Jesus' whip of cords, chapter 2, verse 15, showed his great dislike, even hatred, of the evil practices, chapter 2, verse 16. It also showed his zeal for a pure religion, chapter 2, verse 17, Psalm 69, verse 9. C. Signs at the Temple, chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. The Jews requested a sign from Jesus that would prove his authority. Chapter 2, verse 18. Jesus' answer confused his listeners. Chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. Jesus meant the temple was his own body. He was referring to his own death and resurrection. At the time, no one understood his answer. The disciples, however, remembered his words after his resurrection. Chapter 2, verse 22. Many people believed in Jesus as a worker of miracles when they saw the signs he was doing. Chapter 2, verse 23. However, Jesus knew this faith was immature and unreliable. He knew the hearts of men and women. Chapter 2, verse 25, which proved his deity. But this also helps us understand why he did not rely or confide in just anyone. Chapter 2, verse 24. D. A Visitor After Dark. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Nicodemus was a Jewish religious leader. He was a Pharisee. Chapter 3, verse 1. Because he did not want people to know he was curious about Jesus, he sought Jesus' counsel at night. Chapter 3, verse 2. Yet he was not entirely honest with Jesus. Nicodemus said the religious leaders were certain Jesus was from God. Chapter 3, verse 2. 1. The New Birth. Chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Jesus' reply, chapter 3, verse 3, has surprised more than just Nicodemus. Becoming a believer can be compared to being born again. Our hearts are changed and made new when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. 
See 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is not a change we make. It is a change God makes in us to conform to his image. Nicodemus's reply shows he was either confused or stalling for time. Chapter 3, verse 4. The latter is probably true from a later statement of Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 10. 2. Two births needed. Chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. Born of water and the Spirit, chapter 3, verse 5, are both necessary for eternal life in the kingdom of God. This truth is so important, Jesus repeats it, chapter 3, verse 7. Water generally refers to purification, but water may be a reference to John the Baptist's baptism or the baptism of Jesus and his disciples. Spirit refers to the need for a spiritual new birth. 3. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Chapter 3, verse 8. As the wind cannot be seen, its origin and destination are unknown, but the wind's reality cannot be denied. So it is with the Holy Spirit. Though he cannot be seen nor anticipated, yet his presence is real. 4. How can this be? Chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Nicodemus was mystified. He did not understand. Chapter 3, verse 9. But Jesus reminded him he, as a Pharisee, had much religious instruction. Chapter 3, verse 10. Nicodemus should have had a better understanding than he was demonstrating. This shows that much knowledge or great education does not automatically dispel or get rid of spiritual darkness. 5. Look and live. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Jesus gave Nicodemus an example from Israelite history. Numbers chapter 21, verses 8 to 9. When Moses raised a bronze snake on a pole, it brought healing for an illness that had stricken the people. Moses was the leader of the Jewish people during the Exodus. At God's command, Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt back to Israel, the promised land. At that time, divine help was the only salvation. In the same way, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, is the only way to salvation. Chapter 3, verse 15. E. The Golden Text. Chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. John chapter 3, verse 16 is without doubt the best-known verse in the Bible. This is one reason it is called the Golden Text of the Bible. Martin Luther was a Protestant leader in Germany in the 1500s. He said it, John chapter 3, verse 16, deserves to be written on the sky in letters of gold. D.L. Moody was a great preacher in the United States in the 1800s. He said the rest of the Bible could be lost, but if that were true, the gospel message could still be proclaimed from this text alone. Chapter 3, verse 16. A.M. Hills was a Nazarene theologian in the 1900s. He outlined John chapter 3 verses 16 to 18 as follows. 1. The gift. 
his one and only son. Chapter 3, verse 16. 2. The occasion of the gift. A lost world. Chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. 3. The motive for the gift. God so loved. Chapter 3, verse 16. 4. What the gift accomplishes. Eternal life. Chapter 3, verse 16. 5. The gift received by faith. Whoever believes in him. Chapter 3, verse 16. 6. The gift rejected means one stands condemned already. Chapter 3, verse 18. Jesus pointed out the world rejected the light that came to them. Those who do evil have been deceived and fooled and have grown to love their sins. Chapter 3, verse 19. They fear the light because it will show the wickedness of their ways. Chapter 3, verse 20. However, those who live by the truth has no such fears. Chapter 3, verse 21. They walk boldly into the light where everyone can see that God is the source of all truth. Chapter 3, verse 21. F. The word proclaimed to the Gentiles. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. 1. The Samaritan Woman. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. In chapter 3, Jesus offered the gospel to Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders. Now we see Jesus presenting his gospel to a Samaritan woman. It was the same gospel, the same saviour, and similarly needy hearts. But the social difference between these two, Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, was great. The Samaritans were hated greatly by the Jews. The Samaritans were viewed as heretics. They did not accept all the Old Testament scriptures, but only the first five books. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Chapter 4, verse 4. This statement shows Jesus felt a great need to travel through this region. Devout Jews avoided going through Samaria whenever they could. They did this even though the route between northern and southern Israel was much longer. But Jesus did not avoid Samaria, and thus he encountered a woman in great need. 2. Living Water Chapter 4, verses 7 to 15 This part of Scripture is full of surprises. The woman was surprised, A. Jesus, a man, would speak to her, a woman. Chapter 4, verse 7 B. Jesus, a Jew, would speak to her, a Samaritan. Chapter 4, verse 9. C. Jesus would ask a favour of a woman, chapter 4, verse 7, which would usually be beneath the dignity of a man. D. Jesus would mention living water, chapter 4, verse 10, was so much better than the water of this well. To her, living water meant a spring of water. To Jesus, it meant the salvation he had come to offer everyone. Chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. 3. Conviction and Conversion Chapter 4, verses 16 to 30. 
the all-knowing look of Jesus is revealed as he searches the human heart. Chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Jesus revealed he knew all about the woman's past. The woman recognized him as a prophet. Chapter 4, verse 19. Then she said the Samaritans and Jews differed on the proper worship site. Chapter 4, verse 20. This was probably an attempt to change the subject that was uncomfortable for her. Jesus responded by explaining that the worship site was not what was important. He said, God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Chapter 4, verse 24. When she replied this was a matter only the Messiah could explain, chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus proclaimed, I who speak to you am he. Chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus' words must have made a deep impression on this woman. She went away and told others what had happened. Chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. This woman's testimony started a revival in Samaria. Chapter 4, verses 39 to 42. And the influence of this revival deeply affected the early church. Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 25. G. Healing the Royal Official's Son. Chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. The royal official was a person who served the king in some way. The healing of this man's son was the second miracle Jesus did. Chapter 4, verse 54. It is important to note the royal official's faith. Chapter 4, verses 47 to 50. He believed Jesus and set out for home when Jesus told him his son had been healed. Chapter 4, verses 50 and 51. Thank God for faith that dares to believe God completely. H. The Healing at the Pool. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 31. The invalid man had waited at the pool to be healed for 38 years. Chapter 5, verse 5. Let's note the steps in healing. First, Jesus got the man to express his need. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And then to show his faith. Chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Only then was the man healed. Chapter 5, verse 9. The Jews pointed out the man had disobeyed a law. This was one of the many laws the religious leaders had made. They questioned the man about carrying his mat on the Sabbath. The man told them how he had been healed. Chapter 5, verse 11. Though he did not know who had healed him. Chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Jesus told the man to stop sinning, or something even worse could happen to him. Chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus did not mean sin caused the man's illness, although sometimes there is a connection between sin and sickness. What Jesus meant was that the consequence of sin, eternal separation from God, is far worse than any physical ailment. The Jews sought to kill Jesus because he claimed to be equal with God the Father. Chapter 5, verse 18. The ten repetitions of the Son in verses 16 to 31 are noteworthy. Jesus quickly moved in his message from judgment, 
chapter 5, verse 27, to resurrection, chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, and final rewards, chapter 5, verse 29. Righteous people will have eternal life, and wicked people will have eternal condemnation and punishment. Jesus said, By myself I can do nothing. Chapter 5, verse 30. God and Christ do not work independently of each other. All three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, are one. I. Witness to the Living Word. Chapter 5, verses 31 to 47. Jesus gave four witnesses to his identity and integrity as the living word. 1. John the Baptist. Chapter 5, verses 33 to 35. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. He was the messenger who announced the coming of Jesus the Messiah. 2. Jesus' works. Chapter 5, verse 36. Jesus' works fulfilled all the prophets had foretold of the Messiah. 3. The Father. Chapter 5, verse 32 and 37. Jesus told the Jews, chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, they had never heard the Father's voice or seen his form. Chapter 5, verse 37. The Jews refused to believe the testimony of the one God had sent. Chapter 5, verse 38. 4. The Scriptures. Chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus challenged the Jews to study the Scriptures with an open, unbiased mind. Chapter 5, verse 46 and 47. For the Scriptures to testify about him. The study of the Scriptures is not important because they give salvation. Instead, in the written word or scriptures, we meet Jesus, who gives us salvation. This, then, is a fourfold witness to Jesus as Son of God. All four unite in proclaiming his deity and power. J. The Loaves and the Fish. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. This is perhaps one of the best known of Jesus' miracles. The importance of this miracle is shown by the fact that all four Gospels report it. See Matthew chapter 14 verses 15 to 21, Mark chapter 6 verses 35 to 44, Luke chapter 9 verses 12 to 17. The resurrection is the only other miracle found in all four Gospels. By this time in Jesus' ministry, many had heard of him and knew of his miracles they had begun to follow him around. Chapter 6, verse 2. Perhaps they hoped for healing for themselves or loved ones, or they wanted to see what Jesus would do next. 1. A small supply. Chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Five small barley loaves and two small fish were not enough to feed this crowd. The miraculous feeding of the 5,000 chapter 6, verse 10, set the stage for Jesus' testimony that he is the bread of life, chapter 6, verse 35. Note, only the men were included in the number 5,000. There were also women and children. 2. All are satisfied, 
chapter 6, verses 11 to 15. The disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers, chapter 6, verse 13, from the five small barley loaves and two small fish, chapter 6, verse 9. God's supply is always adequate, but he wants us to give to others the blessings we have received. With God, there is no lack of physical or spiritual benefits. Romans chapter 5 verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. The people saw in this miracle a sign the prophet of Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 had come, chapter 6 verse 14. Moses had provided food and water in the wilderness during the Exodus, and the Jews expected more of this, for example, food and water. They did not see this as a sign the Messiah had come to provide for their greater need, which is spiritual hunger. Jesus showed he was above the lure or temptation of position or status. Chapter 6, verse 15. He knew their understanding of the Messiah was limited, and they expected only temporary solutions. Chapter 6, verse 15. So he left the people and went to a place where he could be alone. K. Master of the Sea. Chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. Jesus proved his deity by showing his mastery over the forces of nature. Chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Halfway across the lake, Sea of Galilee, as the winds blew and waters became rough, Jesus approached the disciples. He was walking on the water, and they were terrified. Chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus saw their fear and immediately assured them all was well. Chapter 6, verse 20. L. I am the bread of life. Chapter 6, verses 25 to 59. Here is the first of seven distinct I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Chapter 6, verse 35. Other I am statements are found in chapter 8, verse 12, chapter 9, verse 5, chapter 10, verse 7 and 9. Chapter 10, verse 11 and 14, chapter 14, verse 6, and chapter 15, verse 1 and 5. I am is the marvellous covenant name of God by which he revealed himself to Moses. Exodus, chapter 3, verse 14. Then, through Moses, God was revealed to his chosen people. The name I am suggests God's living presence and eternal being. Therefore, when Jesus accepted that name, he claimed those qualities as well. Earlier, Jesus had provided physical bread, chapter 6, verse 11. Now, he revealed himself as the living, never-decaying bread of life. Note the repetition of I am in chapter 6, verse 35, 41, 48 and 51. Jesus declared that to eat of this bread is to live forever. Chapter 6, verse 27. It was not like the bread they ate on the hillside, which would provide only a brief satisfaction. Chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus cautioned the people not to work for food that spoils, 
but to seek eternal life. Jesus himself is the only source of eternal life. Chapter 6, verse 27. Still, the people miss the point. They didn't understand that eternal life is a gift from God. There is nothing they could do to earn it. They needed only to believe in Jesus Christ. Chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Yet they still wanted another sign. They asked for a sign like the manna, chapter 6, verse 31, 49, 58. God provided his people in the wilderness in Moses' time. Jesus explained he is the sign. He is the bread of life, chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. There is no other sign. Notice Jesus satisfied hunger and thirst, chapter 6, verse 35, and he turned no one away, chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus raised the dead, chapter 6, verse 40, 44, and 54, and he granted everlasting life, chapter 6, verse 47 and 58. Finally, Jesus offered a word of encouragement. He told the people, Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Chapter 6, verse 37. We can be sure if we sincerely seek God, we will find him, and he will never let us go. Chapter 5. Rejection of the Living Word. John, chapter 6, verse 60, to chapter 8, verse 59. In John's Gospel, Jesus' death on the cross is just ahead. Those who have been following Jesus must decide if they will continue to follow him. A. Turning back or going on. Chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. Jesus made a strong statement that he was absolutely necessary to God and to humanity. Chapter 6, verses 57 and 58. This statement started grumbling and murmuring among his disciples. Hearing the grumbling, Jesus boldly challenged the disciples to be loyal, chapter 6, verses 61 to 63. And he was saddened by the disbelief of many of his disciples, chapter 6, verse 66. A heartbreak of spiritual leadership is when followers turn away. At this time, when many people turned away from Jesus, he tested the twelve. Chapter 6, verse 67. Immediately, Simon Peter gave a great reply. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Chapter 6, verse 68. See also Acts, chapter 4, verse 12. Peter recognized that Jesus came from God. Chapter 6, verse 69. B. People gather about Jesus. Chapter 6, verse 70 to chapter 8, verse 1. Both good and bad appear in people who gathered around Jesus Christ. 1. The betrayer. Chapter 6, verse 70 and 71. In these verses, Jesus said a deceiver, Judas Iscariot, was among his disciples. This is the second time Jesus indicated this. See chapter 6, verse 64. 2. Some opposing Jews. 
chapter 7, verses 1 to 9. Because of their own self-interest, the Jews plan Jesus' death, chapter 7, verse 1. These people were probably the Jewish leaders who opposed Jesus. Not all Jews, nor all Jewish leaders, were against him. The fact Jesus stayed in Galilee, chapter 7, verse 9, was not because he was afraid, but a matter of timing. The time for the cross had not yet come. 3. Unbelieving Brothers Chapter 7, verses 2 to 10 Jesus' brothers, full of doubt, urged him to make a public display of his power. Chapter 7, verses 3 to 5 In spite of their doubts and taunts, Jesus was determined to follow the plans of God the Father. Chapter 7, verses 6 to 8 Sometimes we must follow what we strongly believe without the understanding of our loved ones. 4. Questioning People Chapter 7, verses 10 to 31 The Jews at the Feast of the Tabernacles, chapter 7, verse 11, see also chapter 7, verse 2, looked for Jesus. They were not sincere seekers, but simply curious. When Jesus finally arrived at the feast, the Jews wondered at his wisdom, chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Jesus spoke to them about how they might know he had come from God. He also revealed he knew of their desire to kill him, chapter 7, verses 16 to 19. See also chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. Jesus told them again he had come from God, chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. Some believed, chapter 7, verse 31, while others tried to stop him, chapter 7, verse 30. 5. Plotting Pharisees, chapter 7, verses 32 to 39. Many in the crowd were persuaded by Jesus' words. So the Pharisees sent some temple guards to arrest him, chapter 7, verse 32. Jesus' response to this attempt to arrest him puzzled the people, chapter 7, verses 33 to 36. But his promise of the Holy Spirit, chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, was a powerful message. 6. Believing People Chapter 7, verses 40 to 44 While some people rejected Jesus, some believed in him. They said he was the prophet or the Christ. Chapter 7, verse 40 and 41. 7. Wandering Soldiers. Chapter 7, verse 45 to chapter 8, verse 1. The guards returned without Jesus. Chapter 7, verse 45. Jesus' words had amazed them. Chapter 7, verse 46. But the Pharisees became angry and rejected the guards' faith. Chapter 7, verse 47 to 49. The Pharisees also ridiculed Nicodemus, who had earlier gone to see Jesus to learn more about him. Chapter 7, verses 50 to 52. Nicodemus argued the Pharisees were not fair unless they first spoke to him. Chapter 7, verse 51. To see a picture of the loneliness of Christ, read chapter 7, verse 53, to chapter 8, verse 1. See also Luke, chapter 9, verse 58. This is a powerful reminder of the cost of following the truth, 
Sometimes we walk alone. C. The Sinful Woman. Chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. This is a story about a woman who was guilty of adultery. There are some important things to note in this story. 1. The location was the temple. Chapter 8, verse 2. 2. The accusers were the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Chapter 8, verse 3. 3. The accused was a sinful woman surrounded by self-righteous men. Chapter 8, verse 3. 4. The charge was a serious one. Christ did not belittle or dismiss. Chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. 5. The judge was Jesus, who knew the sinfulness of the human heart. Chapter 8, verse 6. Jesus wrote on the ground, which is the only record of his writing anything. Those words, written in dirt, would soon be gone. They were temporary. Perhaps Jesus was contrasting this temporary record with the permanent record we are writing in the books of heaven. 6. The Judgment The Jews had long before stopped stoning people to death for adultery. In this story, they wanted to stone this woman, chapter 8, verse 5, but they did not do it. Jesus' words revealed their own sin, chapter 8, verse 7. 7. The Sentence The self-righteous Pharisees went away quietly because of their guilt. Chapter 8, verse 9. But the repentant woman walked away forgiven. Chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. D. True Witness. Chapter 8, verses 12 to 30. Here we have another I am statement of Jesus. He declared... I am the light of the world. Chapter 8, verse 12. He was speaking of his own testimony as being trustworthy. But the Pharisees challenged him, saying his testimony was not valid. Chapter 8, verse 13. But Jesus supported his testimony by declaring his divinity. Chapter 8, verse 14. He also testified he is one with the Father. Chapter 8, verse 27 and 29. And after he spoke, many believed in him. Chapter 8, verse 30. E. True Freedom. Chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. These words should be shouted around the world. The truth will set you free. Chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus declares that inner spiritual freedom from sin's bondage is possible by the grace of God. Chapter 8, Verses 34 to 36. F. Children of Abraham or God. Chapter 8, verses 37 to 59. The Jews were very proud to be descendants of Abraham. Chapter 8, verse 33, 37 and 39. But Jesus pointed out their true lineage. Chapter 8, verses 39 to 44 is proven by their deeds. They should be righteous as Abraham was righteous. But if God were their father, they would realise Jesus was from God. Chapter 8, verse 42. And they would love Jesus too. Chapter 8, verse 42. The Jews replied to Jesus by claiming he was possessed by a demon. Chapter 8, verse 48. 
The additional insult that he was a Samaritan probably suggested he was lax in obeying Jewish law. When Jesus said he existed before Abraham, chapter 8, verse 58, the Jews became angry. They were ready to stone him to death, but he quickly escaped unharmed. Chapter 8, verse 59. Methods of study. Have you enjoyed this study of John's Gospel? Do you wish to study it further? If so, here are a few more suggestions for detailed study. 1. Mark all the names of Jesus you can find, especially those that emphasize his deity. 2. Make a further detailed study of the I Am passages. Link them up with all the Old Testament references to God as I Am. 3. Study in detail the promises of the Holy Spirit in chapters 14, 15 and 16. 4. Make a study of the high priestly prayer in chapter 17, especially in relationship to the matter of personal sanctification. 5. Look up all the references to servanthood and friends. Note the differences. 6. List and study all the passages in which Jesus commands men and women not to sin any longer. May the living word become even more of a power in your life as you study the Gospel of John.